Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning and Happy New Year to all of you. This morning we're starting a brand new series called Loving the One in the Mirror. If anyone's wondering who that is, that's you. (laughs) The person looking in the mirror. And you might be saying, wait a minute, is, is that selfish? Is that okay? Well, this series was inspired by something Jesus said. He said this in Mark 12, 30 through 31. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, the second greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. We talk a lot about loving God. We talk a lot about loving our neighbor. But do we love ourselves? Do we love the person in the mirror? And the Lord spoke to me when I was reading this, and I really felt like he said to me, we would do a way better job loving our neighbor if we actually loved ourselves. And maybe the reason why we're not very good at loving our neighbor Maybe the reason why we get short with some people or impatient with people or angry or hateful at some people is because we really are feeling that against ourselves. And so this series is going to be a look into ourselves. It's a biblical look at what it means to love and accept ourselves, to see us the way God sees us, to know what he says about us, and then to walk in those promises. So I want to ask you a couple things. If we're to love ourselves, love our neighbor as ourselves, what does that look like? Well, the Bible gives us a a crystal clear picture of love in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres, love never fails. So I want you to do a little self-reflection with me this morning. Think about this. How patient are you with yourself? Okay? How kind are you to yourself? How angry do you get with yourself? Do you keep a record of wrongs with yourself? Do you speak the truth over yourself or do you believe the lies at the worst parts about yourself? Do you protect yourself? Do you trust yourself? Do you have hope that your future is bright 
and full of good things? Do you persevere through the lies and the doubts that you have about yourself? You see, we're really good at giving other people counsel and words of encouragement, but sometimes it's really hard for us to do it for ourselves. And I think the reason is because we we have a hard time believing what God's word says about us is true for us. It might be true for other people, but but I know me. I know who I really am. And it's hard for me to love and accept me knowing what I know. And that's why I love what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. When was the last time you looked in the mirror and you said, wow, that's a masterpiece right there. (laughs) That is just, some of you probably have. But for the majority of us, Most of us, that's probably not what we're saying or we're thinking most of the time. I love in Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God made us in his image and in his likeness. So to not love ourselves is to not love the one who created us the way we are. This is why it's so important to understand. And before you think this is some like self-help or, or just be whoever you are and never try to work, that's not what this is. This is looking in the mirror and understanding that we have a God who loved us, who created us, who knit us together in our mother's womb, who put us on this planet, said you're a masterpiece and I have great things in store for you and I want you to believe it about yourself Because if you do believe it about yourself, you'll be a better human being to everyone around you. That's what this series is about. I really believe a lot of our responses in life are due to the way we see ourselves, our own insecurities, the things we don't like about ourselves, the trauma that we faced, And that's what our reaction and our response becomes from. So it's time to look at some of the needs that we all have. And what I love is I love when science and the Bible validate each other. It's one of the most rewarding things for me. And so scientifically, there's scientific data out there that says there's several emotional needs that we all have. As human beings, we have these needs. And I wanna go through them with you and just talk through them briefly. One is our need to give and receive attention. We all have that need. We all have a need to have a sense of control. We have a need to make a connection to a community and contribute to that community, every human being. We have a need to understand how the spirit, soul, and body connects. All of us are curious about that. 
We have a need for intimacy. We have a need for purpose and meaning. We have a need for challenge and creativity. And we have a need to have a sense of safety and security in life. These are the basic emotional needs that every human being has. And guess what? They're all backed up by Scripture. And over the course of the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking through these needs. And I'm going to show you, we're going to show you, our teaching team, how all of these needs can be met in us if we live our lives according to God's word and we're plugged in to a local church. That's why I still believe, regardless of every negative word that's out there sometimes, this church, the church, is the hope of the world. This word, the word of God, still changes and transforms lives. It gives us the ability to live differently than anyone else on the planet and have an incredible life here on earth. It gives us the secrets, the code, not just to get to heaven someday, not just to have any great eternity with God, that's amazing, but to live successfully here on this earth, to have the best life on this planet we possibly can have, the answers are right here. And that's the beauty of this series. So today what I want to do in the time remaining, I want to talk about this first need, emotional need that I mentioned. And that's the need to give and receive attention. We all have a need to give and receive attention. Now some people are really good at giving attention to others. Some people are really good at receiving attention. Very few people are good at both. You have the people who, they just really want to give you all the attention. How are you doing? Good, well, what's new in your life? Oh, don't worry about me. I, I need to know more about you. What's going on in your life? How are you? What's happening with you? They're really good at giving people attention. When you sit with these people, you feel like you're the only person in the room. They're great at it. Then you have the people you notice. They always need the attention. Well, that was a good story, but let me tell you one even better. They're kind of the center of the tension everywhere you go. And if you're like, I don't know anyone like that, it's probably you. We all have this need to give and to receive attention. But very few of us are good at both. And it's okay to receive attention. I think this is why we love dogs so much. I mean, we love our dogs, don't we? Some people love cats, but for, for, for real, we love dogs the most. Why? You walk in from your house It doesn't matter what kind of day you had. It doesn't matter what you did that day. That dog does not care. That dog didn't care if you messed up at work, if you blew up at a coworker, if you got in a huge fight with your spouse or your kid or your parent. 
That dog does not care, does not judge you for that at all. You walk in that door, that dog comes running from wherever they are in the house, tail wagging. Oh my gosh, you're home again. I never thought you were going to be back. It's like the first time all over again. They come running into your arms. They make you feel like a million bucks. And it's the best because sometimes you feel like you're not a good person or you messed up that day or you don't feel like you did everything well, but that dog just doesn't care. Gives you attention, not because of what you've done, but just because of who you are. And we love it. We love our dogs. What I also love about dogs is they don't care about receiving attention. They're like, hey, I'm going to roll over, pet my belly. Like, I need attention now. And if you're not petting a dog, they'll nudge your hand until you start petting the dog. They're good at giving and receiving attention. We can learn from that a little bit. We all have this need, every single one of us. In fact, several years ago, a doctors, uh, a couple of doctors did an experiment to try this out. They wanted to figure out if from a young age, if from infancy, we have a need to receive positive attention in our lives. And they found through an experiment called the still face experiment, maybe some of you have seen this, that we all have a need for positive attention from a young age. Let's watch this video real quick. This is something that we started studying oh, 30, 40 years ago when people didn't think that infants could engage in social interaction. In this still face experiment, what the mother did was she sits down and she's playing with her baby who's about a year of age. I need like good. Oh. And she gives a greeting to the baby. The baby gives a greeting back to her. Yeah. This baby starts pointing at different places in the world, and the mother's trying to engage her and play with her. And then we ask the mother to not respond to the baby. The baby very quickly picks up on this, and then she uses all of her abilities to try and get the mother back. She smiles at the mother. She points because she's used to the mother looking where she points. Yeah. The baby puts both hands up in front of her and says, what's happening here? She makes that screechy sound at the mother, like, come on, why are we doing this? Even in this two minutes when they don't get the normal reaction. They react with negative emotions. They turn away. They feel the stress of it. They actually may lose control of their posture because of the stress that they're experiencing. Okay. I'm here. And what are you doing? Oh, yes. Oh, what very interesting experiment here that kind of shows us that from a young age, we need attention, positive attention. 
And when we don't receive it, things go wrong in our lives. And we start turning to different things to get some kind of attention. Whether it's negative attention, whatever, because we have this need that's not being filled. I'll never forget about 15 years ago when my wife and I were doing youth ministry, we had a girl give an 18-page letter, an adolescent 15-year-old girl gave an 18-page letter to one of our youth leaders. And the youth leader gave that letter to us, and I read it, and I immediately began to get choked up at this letter because this was 18 pages of this girl talking about how she's been emotionally and physically abused and she doesn't want to go on and she doesn't want to live anymore and she's hurting herself and she's cutting herself and it's she, she's miserable and depressed and anxious and nothing seems to work and she doesn't know what to do or where to turn. And you read a letter like that. And what we used to say back in the 90s and early 2000s is like, is she serious or is she just trying to get attention? Is she really going to hurt herself or is she just trying to get attention? Well, yes, she's trying to get attention and she's serious at the same time. Because we all need attention. This girl needed immediate attention, spiritual attention, emotional attention, physical attention. She needed Attention, 15 years old, an abusive home, never got loved on. No one ever cared for her needs. No one made her a lunch when she went to school every single day. No one told her that they loved her or thought she was beautiful. No one gave her, hello. Yeah, that's what happens when you start speaking the truth, I guess. Is that one going? So basically, what I was saying is there's a need for attention. She needed attention. We all have that need. And that's why it's easy to judge people. It really is easy to pass judgment on a person when we see their outside behavior. And I'm not excusing poor behavior because at some point we have to look in the mirror and take care of ourselves and get the help we need so that we can be better humans on this planet. But when we don't get the attention that we need in life, it creates all kinds of problems for us. And any kind of attention would work. Negative attention. People say that with their kids all the time. Well, he's just trying to get your attention. Yeah, he lacks attention. If we don't get positive attention, we don't care. We'll look for negative attention. That's what people do. And I want to let you know where this ties in biblically is Jesus models this for us. Jesus models this need, this need to give attention, but also the need to receive attention. Jesus, if you read his life at all throughout the Gospels, you will see a man who is constantly giving people his attention. He's going to the worst people. He's going to the people no one else cares about. 
He's the people everyone has overlooked, the people that no one cares about, the people that have gotten judgment passed on them their whole lives, the people who have been overlooked, discarded. Jesus goes to those people. And he looks them in the eye and he gives them attention. Maybe for the first time in their life they get attention. That's why I think the story of the woman who's caught in the act of adultery and brought at the feet of Jesus and people are ready to stone her to death for her sin, and it was sin. They're ready to stone her to death. And Jesus says, hey, he without sin cast the first stone. And when everyone leaves, he looks down and he says, does no one condemn you? Neither do I. He reaches down and he helps her up. He looks her in the eye. This might be the first time in this woman's life that a man looked at her for more than an object. That a man gave her attention other than the wrong kind of attention. He saw her. He saw her soul. He saw her need. He saw her as a human being, not as an object. And it was after he made that kind of connection and gave that kind of attention, he could then say, now go and leave this lifestyle. You don't need that kind of attention anymore because you have a God who just forgave you and just gave you all the attention you're ever going to need and will continue to give you attention moving forward. His grace was sufficient for you. That's the attention he gave her. Many times, the woman at the well, all kinds of people, all kinds of stories, Jesus looking past the outer, what we all would have looked at, and he looks through to the heart and to the person and says, you just haven't received any good attention in your life. I'm gonna give you that attention now. I am gonna put my day on pause and I'm gonna spend it with you. That's why people love Jesus. Because he said, I'm gonna put my day on hold. I'm gonna stay with you as long as it takes so that you know you've gotten attention from someone on this planet. Because that's how we know God is real when we receive, when that need for attention is met in our lives. But what I love about Jesus is he didn't stop there. He needed attention too. You think he's the savior of the world. He doesn't need attention. He just gives attention. No, he needed attention. Matthew 26, 36 through 38 says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which be James and John, along with them. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I need you guys. I need you. I've given you attention many times. I've taught you many things. 
I've given attention to this whole world, but right now, for the next few hours, I'm messed up. And I need you. I need my friends. I need some attention. I need you to put your arm around me. I need you to speak some life into me. I need you to pray with me. That's so hard for some of us in this room to do. But this is Jesus being vulnerable and giving us a blueprint of, hey, yes, give your attention, but sometimes it's okay to say, I'm hurting and I need some attention as well. So whether you're in this place and you're the type of person who gives attention very easily but has a hard time receiving it, or you're a person that's very easy to receive attention but you have time, a hard time giving it, I'm gonna give you two little tips before we end. If you're in here and you have a hard time receiving attention, and you know this because when someone asks you how you're doing, you just don't even know how to answer that. You turn the conversation back towards them. It's very hard for you to talk about yourself. If that's you, you have a hard time receiving attention. So I want to encourage you to be vulnerable with someone. When you're going through something hard to call a friend and literally do what Jesus did and ask for help. Hey, I need you. See, a lot of times the people in this situation who have a hard time asking for attention, they always feel like a burden on someone. They don't want to be a burden. I know you got a lot going on in your life and I hate to even ask. I know you're dealing with so much more, so I'm not even going to ask. But we gotta be vulnerable. We gotta be able to get to the point where I say, listen, I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to have all the answers, but guess what? I need help. Amen. I'm messed up right now. I'm hurting. I need you. I, I, I can't just keep ministering this way anymore. I need someone to talk with. I have those people in my life. Do you, do you have that person that you can just say, listen, I need you. I need some attention, I need some help. And if you're in here and you're the person who's really good at receiving attention, but not always giving it, I wanna give you a tip too. Be curious about other people. Be curious about other people. Ask people questions. What's going on in your world right now? Well, enough about me. What's happening with you? Dig deeper. Be curious. See their world, their point of view, what their life is like. Let them tell a story. Ask them. To give you some insight into their life. Because we all have this need to give and receive attention. 
And I love in Galatians 6, 2, Paul says this. He says, carry each other's burdens. Each other's. Not one-sided. Not the pastoral staff carries everybody's burdens. We carry each other's burdens. Sometimes you're going to have a burden. Sometimes I'm going to have a burden. And when we carry each other's burdens, we meet this need to give and to receive attention. Let's bow our heads for prayer and get ready for communion. Lord, I thank you so much for your example in the word of God. Your vulnerability to say, even as Jesus, the Savior of the world, sometimes I need a friend. I need help. It needs to be about me right now, not just about you. And I thank you, Lord, that we're worth it that you sent your son to die on a cross because you think a human being is worth that. And if you believe it, I pray that we will believe it about ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke the bread and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Yes, you can get the bread out. It's in front of you on the chair if some of you don't know that. This is our communion portion of service. Jesus said, this is my body that is broken for you. His body was about to go through the hardest. It was about to endure the hardest and the most traumatic pain that a human being can endure. And he said, I'm doing it for you. It's not for me. It's for you. I love Jesus talks about himself being the bread of life. In the Old Testament, we have manna from heaven. God literally provide manna from heaven for people to have enough to eat for the day. And God provides his son, Jesus, to say, now I'm going to meet your spiritual need for connection with me. I'm going to give you the attention you've been longing for. I'm going to sacrifice my own son so that you and I can have relationships so we can give and receive attention to each other. And Jesus' body was broken for us. Let's take the bread together this morning. says in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it do this in remembrance of me for whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes I love this word new covenant There's a new covenant now. 
There was an old way of doing things. But now there's a new covenant. It's all about my blood that's about to be shed for you. And in the old covenant, it was all about you doing your best to work your way to me. But in the new covenant, it's all about me doing whatever it took to make my way towards you. And now it's going to work. But it's not for free. It's going to cost me my life. But you're worth it. I want you to know you're worth it. That's why I'm doing it. This series is about realizing that you are worth it. You're worth it. Not because of what you've done or haven't done, but because of who you are. You're a human being made in the image of God. You're worth it. And Jesus gave everything to show us we're worth it. You are worth it. So right before we take this cup, I want you to bow your head with me. And I want you to do a little self-evaluation with me this morning. Just for a moment. I'm going to read one more verse that we read earlier. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Self-evaluation time. Before you take this cup, Do you need to be more patient with yourself? Do you need to be more kind to yourself? Do you need to be less angry with yourself? Is there a past mistake you can't seem to let go of? Because remember, love keeps no record of wrongs. Is there something you're holding on to that's keeping you from really becoming who God knows you are and has called you to be. A past choice, a past mistake, a regret. As you take the cup this morning, I want you to take it realizing that all of that gets washed away as you drink that cup. The reason Christ went to the cross was for all of that so that you can actually accept yourself and love yourself. If you're in Christ, you can. That's the beauty of Christianity is it's not all on you. This isn't a gospel of self. It's a gospel of Jesus being enough when we're not enough because he believes we're worth it. So take this cup this morning and I want you to whisper these words as you take it. I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. I believe I'm worth it. Even if you can't quite say those words, say it anyway. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you did this because I'm worth it. Let's take the cup together this morning.